Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. We are in week two of a series that we're calling Jesus in His Own Words. And in this series, we are taking a look at the seven I am statements that Jesus makes about Himself in the book of John, which is the fourth book of the New Testament. And seven different times in this book of John, Jesus in His own words tells us who He is. And so let me tell you before we dive into today's scripture, why we are doing this series. Now, every single week, if you've been hanging out around here, you already know this, but if you're new around here, you need to know that every single week, every single message, every single service, regardless of the topic, we give people an opportunity to make the most important decision of their life, the, 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 the decision to make Jesus the Lord and the Savior of their life, the decision to follow Jesus. And spoiler alert, it is coming in 31 minutes and 30 seconds. It's coming. And in the first 77 weeks of our church, we've had, get this, 536 people tell us that they made this decision. Come on. That's what we're celebrating. So really our goal, our why of this series is to get to know the Jesus that we're following. Because if I'm going to ask you in 31 minutes to follow Jesus, I want you to know Jesus. Because if we're gonna follow somebody, I really wanna make sure that we know who that person is. And our big idea of this series is this, that when we know who Jesus is, we see who he is calling us to be. And so in week one, we looked at John chapter six, where Jesus made this statement where he said, I am the bread of life. And today we're gonna be looking at one verse in John chapter eight, in verse 12, and this is, this is what it says. It says, Jesus, he spoke to the people once more, and he said, this is Jesus talking, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. So today, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. And if you're not taking notes, I want you to write this down. Uh, that we're going to be looking at the second Jesus in his own words statement. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Let's pray and invite God to do whatever he wants to do over the next few minutes. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word. And God, I pray right now in Jesus name, would you open up our eyes to see Jesus? the true light of the world. We love you. And it's through the awesome, mighty, powerful name of Jesus that we pray and everybody said, amen. Um, How many of you just by show of hands, when you were a kid, were afraid of the dark? How many of you just, there was a moment, maybe you were ever just at, at some point of your life, you were scared of the dark. How many of you still, as an adult, a fully grown man or woman, are still kind of scared of the dark, yeah? 
Um, how many of you grew up with a nightlight in your room? That was me. I grew up with a nightlight in my room. I rocked that thing. No shame in my game. I had a nightlight. And I remember uh, when I was in elementary school, I would go over to my, my really good friend, actually my best friend in elementary school, his name was Josh. And I would go over to Josh's house. And the very first time I went to Josh's house, you know, it got to the, the end of the night and, and his parents were making sure that, that we were in bed and they turned the lights off in Josh's room and I looked up and instead of a nightlight, he had all those glow-in-the-dark stars. Come on, how many of you remember the glow-in-the-dark stars? I was mesmerized. I was like, this is so cool. I just have a lame nightlight. I was so jealous. I was like, man, I want those glow-in-the-dark stars. And, um, you know, like, as long as I had my nightlight on, Everything was okay. As long as I had my nightlight on, everything was all good. It's amazing how a little bit of light changes everything. Because no matter what, how many of you know that light defeats darkness every single time? That there isn't enough darkness in the world to put out even the smallest of light. That a little bit of light defeats a whole lot of darkness every single time. And that's really good news because in John chapter 8, in verse 12, Jesus himself says, Hey, I understand that there may be a lot of darkness, but guess what? I am the light of the world. That if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. And maybe you've heard this statement before. Maybe you've heard this, I, like I am, Jesus in his own words statement before, but maybe you haven't. See, I grew up in church. That's kind of my story. I'm telling you, we were there every single time the doors were open. My very first slow dance was to our God is an awesome God. I mean, I, like we were in church all the time, like every time the doors were open. And um, like this, like, so I, I had heard this, this story. I, I, I've heard this, this statement from Jesus many times, but I'd never really seen the context of which it was said until this week when I really dove into studying this, pa this passage. Because this I am statement, it comes right after one of the most incredible grace-filled stories in all the Bible. It's a story where there was this woman that was brought before Jesus directly after being caught in the very act of adultery. And so to fully understand this statement, like we need to understand this story. So to really help us understand, let's break down this story into three parts. We're gonna first talk about the law, then the love, and then the light. Come on, can you say that when we say the law? the love, and the light. Doesn't that sound like an awful soap opera? <laughs> like next time on the law, the love, and the light. <laughs> you know, anyway, let's start with number one, the law. Here, here's point number one. The law reveals our guilt. So the law, that's what it does. It reveals our guilt. 
And in John chapter 8, it starts in verse 1, and it says this, Jesus, he returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. And a crowd soon gathered, and he sat down, and he taught them. And as he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, so that was the religious people back in the day, they brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law, the law of Moses says to stone her, which was a punishment where they would take rocks and they would throw it at somebody repeatedly until they passed away. And so it was a form of execution. And then they asked Jesus, what do you say? So I want you to picture this scene. Jesus is teaching. And this angry, out-for-blood mob of religious leaders bring a woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. It hadn't just come out that she was in adulterous relationship. No, she was caught in the very act, ripped away from the bedroom, dragged out into public, completely exposed and, and humiliated, full of guilt and shame in what was no doubt the darkest and the hardest day of her life. I guarantee you she never had a harder day than that day, and she never for the rest of her life had a harder day than that day right there. And they throw her in front of Jesus and they say, the law says that she's guilty and deserved to be stones. Remember, rock, not for recreational use. Okay, just to make sure we're on the same page. The law says she's guilty and deserves to die. And here's the deal, they were right. Because the law did say that. And it just didn't say it once, it said it twice. Listen to what Leviticus chapter 20 verse 10 says. And they would have known this. This was a part of their life. If a man commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, both the man and the woman who have committed adultery must be put to death. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 22, in verse 22, it says, if a man is discovered committing adultery, both he and the woman must die in this way you will purge Israel of such evil. By the way, where's the man? Hello. We don't see him anywhere. Why isn't he held accountable? Such a double standard. And sadly, sadly, that sometimes happens today. I'm just going to leave that right there. Just leave that right there. We don't have time to really go to that, but we just got to say it. So was she guilty? Yes. Was she wrong? Yes. Did she break the law? Yes. And just like the, the law revealed her guilt, the law reveals our guilt as well. Let me put it this way. The law is a mirror that reveals our sin. Now, we all make mistakes. We all mess up. We all sin. We all fall short. In fact, in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, for everyone has sinned. That includes me. That includes you. That includes every single person in this room. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And in fact, I can prove it. 
And so just for the next few minutes, I just want to create a very safe place. I call it Vegas. So what happens in the next five minutes in this room will stay in this room, okay? So it's a very safe place. I need you to be honest, like Planet Fitness, this is a judgment-free zone, okay? I just want you to raise your hand if you have ever told a lie. Raise it high. Just keep it up. Raise it high. Don't T-Rex arm that thing. Get that thing way up. Let everybody see it. If, if somebody is not having their hand up right now, you may say, you are lying right now. You can go ahead and throw that hand up. Look around. See all the big liars that are here in the room. Okay, you can put your hand down. How many of you, just, just put your hand up in the air, if you have ever stolen anything? If you've ever taken something that isn't yours. There's not as many hands, but let me ask you, have you ever snuck a grape at the, at the grocery store? You ever taken a paper clip from the, from the office? Come on, have you ever shared a Netflix password? Not to mention those Queen City Church pins. Some of y'all got about 15 in your purse right now. You use it as an invite tool, come to my church, come to my church. You little kleptomaniacs. How many of you just by a show of hands? Let's just, let's just, hey, we're getting real, okay? We're getting real here in church. How many of you have ever looked lustfully at someone? Ooh. Remember, we are in a room full of liars, okay? <laughs> Somebody's like, Pastor, I'm just admiring God's creation. No creeper, you're lusting, okay? You're lusting. And according to Jesus, in Matthew chapter 5, if you've looked lustfully at someone, you committed adultery in your heart. So when you put all three of those things together, this is a room full of lying, stealing adulterers. Welcome to Queen City Church, where we exist to reach all people and teach them to have a relationship with God that gets better and better. Uh, let me just take this opportunity just to make sure that we're all on the same page because maybe you've been hanging out with us for a little bit. Maybe you've been with us for a while. Uh, let me make this clear. Queen City Church is not for perfect people. That if you're perfect, um, you're not going to like it here. So it, it, if you are perfect, you're not going to like it here because we got some issues. We got issues in here. Can I get a good amen from the church? We have some issues. In fact, when I, when I think about church, church was never meant to be a country club for people, the perfect people who have it all together, but a hospital for the hurting and broken. And so we all make mistakes. We all mess up. We all sin. We all fall short. And the law reveals our guilt. And here's why this is so important for us to get that deep into our souls and to recognize that every single one of us falls short, that every single one of us sin. Because until we see ourselves as sinners, we will not see our need for a savior. Until we see ourselves for who we really are as sinners, we will not see our need for a savior. And so the law, it reveals our guilt. But the good news is that's just point one. Because number two, 
is that the love reveals God's grace. So the law reveals our guilt, but the love reveals God's grace. So they throw this woman completely exposed, caught in the very act of adultery in front of Jesus and say, the law says that she's guilty and deserves to die. But what do you say, Jesus? And in verse six of John chapter eight, it says they were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. And let me tell you why that they were trying to trap him. Because if he said, yep, she's guilty, the law is right, and she must die, then that would discredit him. And what he'd worked so hard for, and he'd lose his reputation of being a friend of sinners. But if he said, no, she shouldn't die, but and then he would be openly breaking the law, and he could then be arrested, and that's what they were trying to do. And so his response was so gangster. Listen to what he says. He says, but Jesus, he just stooped down and he wrote in the dust with his finger. So what in the world did he write? The truth is we don't know, but a lot of scholars believe that he was writing down the sins of of those men who were accusing her. And my exegetical imagination, when I think of this, I'd like to think that he was writing down the names of their mistresses. So he was just writing down, you know, like, Debbie. <laughs> Keisha. <laughs> then it says in, in verse seven that they kept demanding an answer. So they weren't just gonna let him just write in the dust. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again. And he said, all right, all right. But let the one who has never sinned, that if you're perfect here, if you never sinned, throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and he wrote in the dust. What a flex. <laughs> How many of you know it's so easy to point out other people's sins, but then overlook your own? How many of you know that it's so easy to highlight somebody else's mistake so that it can take the spotlight off of your mistakes? How many of you know it's so easy to compare our sins to other people's so that it makes us feel a little better? I want you to know that God does not see sin the same way that we see sin. Because when we see sin, we see it in sizes. We see small, medium, large, extra large, super size. And as long as I'm not on that end of the spectrum and I'm just sitting over here on the small and the mediums, then it's all good. And I can sleep at night and everything's all good. And nobody even knows there's a lot of things that are hidden as long as I'm not over there. But I'm telling you, that's not how God sees. When he sees it, he just sees sin. That's it. But it's so easy for us to compare my life with that life and my sins with those sins. And in verse nine, it says, when the accusers heard this, when they heard Jesus say, hey, if you're perfect, if you're without sin, yeah, you go ahead and, and you throw the first rock. They slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest. And I love this phrase, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and he said to the woman, where are your accusers? Where are the rocks? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she says. And then Jesus said this 
this beautiful three-word sentence, neither do I. And in no doubt, the biggest mistake of her life, Jesus extends her grace. Now, just because he gave her grace, don't think for one second that Jesus was easy on sin. Not at all. Because for Jesus to do that in that moment, for him to extend grace right there to her, he knew that one day he would have to die for that sin. Because make no mistake about it, grace is free, but it is not cheap. And so maybe you're at church today, and like this, and like this woman, you've made some serious mistakes. And when you look back in your past, there's been these, these moments that you regret and maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking today in church, after what I did, after the mistake I made, God will never love me. After messing up like that, he could never forgive me. I can never experience grace. I can never make a difference. That my life from now on is disqualified. That there's no way that I can experience healing. There's no way I can experience freedom. I'll never have a good marriage again. My kids will never respect me again. Like it's over. It's too late for me. And you, you find yourself at church and you're full of guilt and shame and condemnation and regret from the past and things that have happened in the past or maybe things that are going on right now in the present. And you're here and you're just like, you're so full of condemnation. Well, I'm here to remind you the truth of Romans chapter eight, verse one that says, so now, that is right now, right now, there is no condemnation. There's no guilt, there's no shame, there's no regret, no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So let me just go ahead and fill you in. If you belong to Jesus, if you've made a decision to follow him, there is no condemnation for those who are found in Christ Jesus. That is good news. But I, I, but it's still true. Romans 3, 23 is still true because we have sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. But I'm here to tell you with a smile on my face that that does not end with 23. There is a Romans 3, 24 that says, even though that, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. That grace, that God's, his, the, that love, it reveals his grace. Write this down. Grace is getting what we need the most, but deserve the least. That is what grace is. That it is getting what we so desperately need, that we need it more than anything, but we deserve it the least. How many of you have ever heard that old hymn, that beautiful hymn, Amazing Grace? And let me tell you what makes grace so amazing is the fact that it shouldn't even exist. That's what makes grace so amazing. And so the law, it reveals our guilt, but God's love, it reveals his grace. And then point three is that the light reveals our purpose. The light reveals our purpose. One of the things I love most about this story is the fact that Jesus, he loves her right where she is. On her hardest day, he is there 
and he loves her right where she is, but he loves her enough to not let her stay there. And he's saying, you know what? It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not have it all together. And I want you to hear this in our church today. It is okay if you're not okay. We take the posture of Jesus in the dirt and say, it's okay if you're not okay, but like Jesus, that it's not okay to stay that way. That there's, a, that there's more than this. And Jesus, he says in verse 11, and we, we just read the, the first part of it, but let me tell you the next sentence, because he says, neither do I, I don't accuse you. And then he says this sentence, go and sin no more. That he not only gives her grace, he gives her an assignment. That with the one statement, one sentence, one verse, Jesus completely sets her free from her past and then gives her direction for her future. He says, I've got something better for you. Like this life, you do not have to live this anymore. In fact, I have a life to offer you that is the best possible life that you could ever live here on planet earth, better than any other relationship. You can try to go have other relationships, but I'm telling you the life I have is better. That it's better than any job, it's better than any possession, it's better than any fame or status, anything that you think that could fill that, fill that void in your life. I'm telling you the life I have is better. I can offer you this best life that you could ever live. Like this way, you don't have to live this way anymore. That you can be different. You can be free. You can be healed. You can be whole. That your past doesn't define you. That, that you are not your worst day. That you may have made a mistake, but let me tell you, young lady, you are not a mistake. And like, here's the crazy thing. I think Jesus, he would even say, you know, in fact, that mistake that you made, that's one of the greatest things I can use to bring me glory. He's like, that's who I am. I redeem things. I'm really good at it. And I can take your worst day and your worst moment, flip it on its head and lead other people to me. And he says, I've got a plan and a purpose for your life. And I, I truly believe that he, he probably even said things like, and you, you, you don't even see it. There's no way right here in this moment, you're just thankful you're alive because you didn't think you were gonna make it out of today. But I'm telling you, even though you can't see it, I promise you, I've got a plan and a purpose for your life. And then right after that, the next sentence, in my Bible is verse 12, where he says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. I know it seems dark right now, but I'm telling you a little bit of light defeats a whole lot of darkness every single time. And I am the light of the world. And if you follow me, you won't have to walk like this anymore. Your life doesn't have to look like that anymore. I've got something better for you. I've got a plan. I've got a purpose for your life because you will have the light that leads to life. Remember the big idea of this series, that when we know who Jesus is, we see who he is calling us to be. 
So if Jesus is the light of the world, then we are called to be the light of the world. That's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter four, the very first book of the New Testament, he says in verse 14, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. See in this verse, Jesus, the light of the world says, you are the light of the world. And I love this principle. I find it so true that when you know who you are, you will know what to do. That when you know who you are, that I am the light of the world, then you know what to do. You shine and you light up the darkness. And I'm telling you, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. There's not a single part of your past or your present that disqualifies you from that purpose. I don't care how old you are, what you look like, where you grew up, where you went to school, what side of the river you live on, how much money you make, how messed up, broken, jacked up your past is. Your purpose, my purpose is to be a light into darkness. You're not broken. You're not a failure, you're not useless, you're not a lost cause, you're not a mistake, you're not disqualified, you're not insignificant, you're not too far gone. You are the light of the world. And I love the message paraphrase of this exact verse because it says, you're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm gonna hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. I'm putting you in your neighborhood. I'm putting you in your your job. I'm putting you in your family. I'm putting you on your school campus. I'm putting you there now that I put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. When you know who you are, you will know what to do the law, the love, the light. The law reveals our guilt. The love, God's love, reveals God's grace. The light reveals our purpose. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Before we leave here, I, I, I really wanna take this moment, not go through the motions and just ask God right now, what are you speaking to me? What are you saying to me? What are you saying directly to me? Not, not to somebody else, but what are, you, what are you saying to me? Maybe ask him this, what does my response need to be to this message? And maybe you're here and you've never experienced that love, that grace. Maybe you're here and you feel far from God. Maybe your entire life you felt far from God. And I, man, I've never made that decision. Maybe you're here and you have in the past And maybe you were close to him at one point, but now you find yourself and you you just feel far from God today. Here's the great news. Today, you can experience that love. Today, you can experience that grace. You can experience a fresh start. And how do you do that? It's by making that decision, the decision to say yes to Jesus, to give him your life, 
to receive grace, to start or restart a relationship with Him. And here's the thing, we're not gonna point you out. We're not gonna embarrass you in any way, nothing like that. But I just wanna lead you in a simple prayer. And if you wanna be included in that prayer, because you know this is the decision I've gotta make today that there's no more days where I'm not gonna, where I'm gonna be separated from God. I want, man, I, I need a fresh start today. I need to give my life to Jesus. And if you're here and that's you, on the count of three, I just want you to boldly put your hand in the air and just say, that's me, include me in that prayer. And we'll pray together. That's just a step of faith saying, I, that's my decision today. So if that's you on the count of three, boldly put your hand up in the air and say, include me in that prayer. One, two, three, I got you. I got you, I got you, I got you. I got you, it's awesome. Hands up all over the room, it's great. It's awesome. We're so proud of you, genuinely, it's awesome. You can put your hands down and just pray something like this as genuinely as you can from the bottom of your heart. Just say, Jesus, I need you. And I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. I repent, I change my mind, I change my direction. Will you come live inside me? Would you, the light of life, would you light up every dark corner in my life? Will you change me? Will you do what I can't do myself and make me brand new? I surrender my whole life to you, everything. I give you everything. I give you my past, my present, my future, my mistakes, my successes, my career, my finances. I give you my relationships, my marriage, our kids, our family, everything. I, I surrender my whole life to you. I give you everything. And today I choose to follow you. Not just for today, not just for this one moment, but God, you're calling me to follow you the rest of my life. And so God, I say yes to that. And we thank you for the gift of Jesus, the light of the world. We love you and it's through Jesus that we pray and everybody said, Amen. Come on, church. Can we celebrate with all the people? Come on, let's do it like we never have before. Let's let them know that we're proud of them, that we love you, that we're for you. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at queencitypeople. 